want to mention we have a couple things to be in prayer about this morning. Uh, Frank, our brother Frank is in the hospital. I don't know if you knew that. Um, so expecting to be there, I think about five more days, so at Memorial Hospital. So we want to pray for Frank. Uh, okay. And um, let's not forget the, the service this Saturday, if you can make it for Sue Callahan. And the time again was uh, 11 o'clock. Is it 11 o'clock? That's this Saturday. Just wanted to mention that. So um, let's pray uh, to the Lord. Also, one other thing. We got a note from um, the daughter of Nelda Mitchell a couple weeks ago, right, Cynthia? And Nelda would always send in her tithe, and even when she couldn't come to church, and all of a sudden, you know, she wasn't, we weren't hearing from her, and we just found out why. Her daughter wrote a little note that she went to be with Jesus. She was 101. Yeah, 101. Yeah, Nelda Mitchell. So uh, we want to pray for her family as well, okay? She's, but the note said she went, she went smiling, you know. She went to the Lord Jesus. She had a smile on her face, and thank God we know she's with the Lord. Amen. Let's bow. Father God, we, we come to you this morning, we, we pray for our brother Frank right now, and um, Lord, we just pray your healing hand upon him, uh, be with him, be with Joyce, uh, and just minister your healing upon him, Lord, please uh, give him your peace, give him your comfort, and give him your healing, please, Father, thank you, God. We also, Lord, want to pray for the family of Nelda Mitchell, as uh, we thank you that we know she's with you, and just give them comfort as he has gone on to be with you. And uh, also this Saturday, we're going to have a service for Sue Callahan, and we just pray for Danny uh, as she grieves the passing of Sue. And we just pray for you. Bless the service, Lord, for your glory. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen, everyone. So this morning, as we're continuing, we're almost done with the Gospel of John. Isn't that interesting? We've gone through it, almost the whole thing. Um, so we're getting ready. We're going to be in John 20 this morning. Actually, we would have been in 19, but I preached that on Easter. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're going to pick it up at John 20. But uh, before I do, I want to mention that, you know, meditation. You probably, I'm sure everyone talked about, heard about meditation. It's a very popular, very popular practice in mental health today, meditation. Uh, there is a meditation aid called Headspace that's um, really uh, taking the business world by storm. Uh, Headspace is, a, is, a, is an app. It's an app-based service. And it, you, you down, it, it's the mo one of the most used downloaded services for health and fitness. Uh, what does it do? It, it gives you, it, it offers you uh, soothing music. Uh, it offers you uh, guided meditation, and it offers you uh, it offers you guided meditation, and it offers you uh, movement exercises. People use it to practice meditation, uh, mindfulness, uh, to relieve uh, you know anxiety attacks, to uh, even to even to to to. Uh, resolve relationship conflicts, really a lot of the same things the Christian church uh, is about and wants to do to help. But health, health um, headspace 
is reaching, is trying to reach uh, more and more people, and they've done it. You know, one of the things they've done is they've created a campaign targeting targeting uh, um, exercise. Uh, you know, fans of exercise. So you'll see it advertised on NFL games, uh, NBA games, and things like this. They even have they even have relaxation pods in airports and other high, uh, you know, high stress public public places to, uh, you know, and, and the thing is that it is now, you know, people have used it to de-stress. It now has over seventy million seventy million uh, 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 users. This uh, app for meditation. More and more people are, uh, you know, tuning, tuning into this headspace as, as, as a way, you know, of uh, kind, of, kind of like they say, de-stressing. Now, our, our challenge as Christians, you know, headspace is reaching more and more people. Our challenge as Christians as well is to reach all kinds of people. Now, we can't buy the NBA game, uh, you know, uh, 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 commercials like they can, but we can be just as creative. In getting out the word of God, our, our, you know, our Christ-inspired uh, purity of love, God-inspired purpose for living, and spirit-inspired power to please God is something the world needs now more than ever. We as a Christian church aren't headspace, we're spirit space. We're the space where to find God's unconditional love and to find a relationship with the living, resurrected Jesus. Now, Mary Magdalene was the first person to witness, to see the living, resurrected Jesus. She went to the disciples and she, she ran to them to tell them what she had seen. The problem is most of them didn't believe. They weren't convinced about what Mary told them. So they were about to experience their own revelation of the resurrected Jesus. So if you have a Bible with you, and I think we'll also see it up on the screen, we're going to read from John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verses, verses 19 to 31. And this is what it says. John chapter, yes, thank you. You can stand with me if you're able and willing. We'll read John chapter 20, verses 19 to 31, and it says this. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, their sins are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. 
So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where his nails were and put my hand into his sides, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen. You may be seated. May God's word be blessed. Amen. The disciples. The disciples, they were probably in the upper room at this time. You know, the upper room where they had the last supper with Jesus. This would have been a familiar place to them. It would have been a secure place. And it would have been a good hiding place. You see, they were in fear. They were in fear for their life because their leader had just been executed. They had every reason to believe the Roman authorities would do the same to them. The disciples in this room and at this time of fear were gathered, were gathered. And little did they, little did they expect what would happen next, that they would have an encounter with the risen with their risen Savior. This was the day that shook the world. The day that Jesus rose. The day that changed the course of history. Amen. For believers. All true believers. Receive what Christ came to give. And what Christ came to give. Is what we'll talk about this morning. There's promises. Believe and receive. Believe and receive. Believe the risen Jesus. And receive what he promises. We're going to look at three promises this morning. Three promises that Jesus came to give all who believe in him. Each one of these promises has an empowerment. An empowerment that comes from Christ himself. So let's begin. The first promise to receive by believing in the Savior is this. Receive the comfort of his Verse 19. Verse 19 says this. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together and the doors were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. The, and the disciples were closeted in this closed room. They didn't know if, you know, the authorities, the, the Roman authorities might be coming barging in at any time, led by, the, led by the Jewish leaders. And then, suddenly, 
suddenly, Jesus appears in the middle of the room in his glorified body of flesh and bone. Not flesh and blood, flesh and bone. Jesus was there. And as soon as he, as soon as he appeared to them, he greeted them with these words, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. After he greeted them, he, he identified himself so there would be no mistake it was him. He says, Take, look at my hands, the scars on my hands. Look at the wounds in my side. It's me. And the disciples, the disciples were overjoyed. It was him. It truly was him. Jesus conquered death. He he, he rose from the dead. They were overjoyed. And Jesus said it again. To reemphasize what he came to bring, he said, peace be with you. Shalom in the Hebrew. The word shalom for peace means to be in a place of rest, to be untroubled, to be, to be undisturbed. It's a place of well-being, not the kind of well-being you get from headspace, <laughs> right? This is, a kind of, this is a kind of well-being you get from spirit space, right? The spirit of Christ, his presence with you and in you. The peace of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 14, 27, my peace, peace I give unto you. My peace do I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Receiving the peace, the comfort of his peace. You know, this is a peace, Jesus said, it's not a peace that the world gives you. It doesn't matter how many mindful meditations you might practice. The peace of Jesus Christ comes from him himself, his spirit, his presence with you. Jesus' peace. He gives us his peace when we trust him. And when we trust his word. And he was in their midst. Jesus was in their midst. What joy. Jesus was in their midst. Yes, they might face trouble. Yes, they might face hardship. But Jesus was, was in their midst. What joy. What does it say in verse 20? It says this. It says in verse 20, it says they were overjoyed. Overjoyed when they saw the Lord. You know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. They were willing you know, they were willing to face the trouble, but they had joy and they had comfort because he was with them. The late Catherine Marshall once said it this way. She talks about the troubles that we might face in life, the hardships and the dangers. And she talks about facing them with joy. The joy of the Lord. And she says it this way. She says, I can see that Jesus drew men and women into the kingdom by promising them two things. First, trouble, hardship, and danger. Second, joy. Joy. She says, what curious, but what curious alchemy that he makes even danger and hardship seem joyous. He understands things about human nature that we grasp only dimly. Few of us are challenged by the promise of soft living or emphasis on me first or by a life of easy compromise. What's she saying? What is she saying? She said, when you have Jesus, he said, when you have Jesus, 
when he's with you and you know the, the joy of his love, you can face life's troubles and life's hardships with his peace and with his joy. Why? 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 Because he has the victory. Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble. I promise you that. John 16, But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus has the victory to give us comfort by his presence. By his presence. That's the first. That's the first promise that we're to receive. We're to receive the comfort of his presence. Number two. The second promise we're to receive is to receive the commission of his message. Verse 21. Jesus says this. He says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. That is a commission Jesus gives us. We have the privilege to be Jesus' representatives on earth. We have the privilege to carry his message. We have the privilege to carry on his work. Jesus gives us the commission. Jesus is saying, I send, you know, as the Father has sent me to, to, to bring the gospel message, I'm commissioning you to bring the gospel message too. Now, the gospel word gospel means good news. Headspace has its own gospel, has its own good news. Yeah, you know, that they're sending out. They are promoting with, uh, you know, their product with partners, Starbucks, Unilever, Adobe, and they're, they're making their techniques available to all their employees. Christians are sent out into the world not to promote techniques. We're sent out to proclaim the message of God, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Great Commission. He's given us a commission to bring the good news of Jesus. But Jesus, he doesn't send us alone. He doesn't send us alone. Look at this. Look at this. Soon after he told his disciples, I'm sending you, he, what does he do? He breathes on them. Isn't that interesting? He breathes on them. Verse 22. What does it say? It says, he says, wait, he, when he breathed on them, what did he say? He said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathed on them the Holy Spirit. You know, to empower them. They would be empowered to be witnesses. Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit to accomplish his work as a witness. As a witness of Jesus Christ. As believers, as his church, as his body, we are on assignment. We've got an assignment. You know, Jesus made himself visible to the disciples. And now through us. He wants to make himself visible to the world. To show who he is and to share who he is. Jesus has given us an assignment. You know, in his high priestly prayer, Jesus prayed to the Father, John 17, 18. He says, as you've sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. He's given us that commission. We are people on assignment for Christ. Sent into the world, given a commission to get out his message. 
But as we do, as we witness with our lives and with our words, we're not alone. We're not alone. The Holy Spirit empowers us, and Jesus is with us. John, Matthew 28, 19, we talked about it this morning in orientation class, the Great Commission. You're probably familiar. Jesus says, go into all nations and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And then, after he gives the Great Commission, he gives a promise. He says, and surely I am with you. I am with you. Even to the end of the age. He speaks this in the context of the Great Commission that he'll be with us. In other words, when we are sharing our faith, talking about the Lord, giving out his word, Jesus is there. He's with us. He's confirming it. He's convicting the listeners of what we're saying. He says, I'm with you. When you witness for me, I am with you. And Jesus, Jesus is there. Jesus, Jesus is there. You know, I have a friend. I have a friend who is a good friend of mine, uh, Rick. <laughs> uh, he was here last week. He works in construction and home repair, and a lot of times he'll... You know, he'll go to the homes and he'll talk to the people about, you know, what the, the work they're requesting. And, and whenever he gets a chance, you know, if, if the Lord leads, he'll try to share his faith, you know, as they're talking with him. And he, many times he's told me about how, you know, people, you know, he's just sharing about his faith in Christ. And, and people, sometimes they'll start, they'll cry as they make a decision for Christ or they'll recommit their life to, to, to go back to church. Jesus is with him. He's with them. You know, and I'm sure... You know, yeah, the same with you. I'm sure you've experienced this in your own life. I know uh, in our own church, uh, someone who's come uh, to our church, I've talked to him recently, he's a neighbor of Reen. Uh, Embarrassed Reen here. And, and, and Reen had a chance to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with him and lead him to the Lord to accept Jesus Christ. Jesus was with her. Jesus was convicting, confirming. We don't go out alone. You know, he sends us into the world, but he doesn't send us alone. He's with us. He's with us. He, share, he sends us to share the good news. What is the good news? Look at verse 23. What is the good news? Jesus said this. He says, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What does he mean? In the original language, this literally says, those whose sins you forgive have already been forgiven. You see, no man can forgive another man's sins against God. No man can do that. But the good news is that Jesus died on the cross to pay the debt of our sin. He rose again. And now, when we, when we see someone is truly repentant, we have the privilege of announcing, you are forgiven. Why? Because you've repented. You've repented. That's what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit fell, 3,000 people got saved, got baptized, and Peter preached these words. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. He says, Repent. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so your sins may be forgiven. Does baptism forgive your sins? No. 
Repentance does. Repentance does. What is repentance? It's turning from your sins, turning to Jesus. Asking him to lead you and to be your Lord. True belief in Jesus requires turning from sin. Without repentance, without Christ, you will perish. I will perish. Jesus said it in no uncertain terms. Luke chapter 13, verse 5. Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. True belief requires repentance. It requires a turning, a turning from sin. So the message that we're commissioned to give, to share, is to is the commission that we're given the commission of his message. So not only are we given the promise, the comfort of his presence, not only are we given the promise to have the commission of his message, but third, we are given the promise to receive the confidence of our salvation. The end result of our faith, verse 24, 24 and 25, it says, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, he was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, see, put my fingers there and put my hand on his side, I'm not going to believe. I'm sure they told him all the details. This is how it happened, Thomas. For Thomas, seeing is believing. Yeah, I'm not going to believe it unless I see it. Words are not enough. I need material evidence. Thomas doubted. He doubted the story. He doubted the story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I want to tell you something. I don't want us to be too hard on Thomas, okay? <laughs> Thomas wasn't that bad of a guy. Huh? Here's the thing. It's not that Thomas didn't love Jesus. It's not that Thomas wasn't loyal to Jesus. And it's not that even Thomas wouldn't even have died. He would have died for Jesus. John chapter 11. Lazarus had died. Uh, Jesus got word. And uh, he wanted to go to Bethany to, to, to go to Lazarus. But the disciples knew that was a very, very dangerous proposition. They could have lost their lives. Thomas. Thomas is the one who spoke up courageously. Courageously. John chapter 11, verse 16, he says this. It says, then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said, Didymus said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. You see, Thomas was a man of character. And he had courage. He was just struggling with doubt. And he's not the only one. There's major Bible characters in Abraham, King David, John the Baptist. They all had times of doubt. Thomas was going through it here. Thomas was going through it here. Doubt is when you're uncertain, you're undecided. You're hesitant. You consider something to be unlikely. When you doubt, you don't have enough information or enough faith to convince you that something is true. You've got to work through it. But here's the thing. 
When you work through your doubt, you can be stronger in your conviction and in your belief in the end. Bible scholar William Barclay says it this way. When a man fights his way through his doubts to the conviction that Jesus Christ is Lord, he has attained to a certainty that a man who unthinkingly accepts things can never reach. Working through your doubt. Thomas needed to work through his doubts. You see, God doesn't mind doubt. Oh, you might be surprised to hear that. God doesn't mind doubt as long as you're seeking him in the midst of it. You see, doubt can become sin if, if it turns you away from the Lord. If it leads you into a skepticism, into a cynicism, into a hard-heartedness. Don't allow doubt to lead you away from God. Allow your doubt to move you closer to God. As you work through it. When you're wrestling with doubt, keep attending church. Stay close to other Christians. Why? That's what the body's for. Encourage one another. Build one another up. As you gather together for worship. We help each other. I want you to notice the day. I want you to notice the day the disciples gathered. Let's take a look. Verse 19. Verse 19 says this. It says they were gathered together on the first day of the week. Now, what's that? That's, a word, that's Sunday. For, for the Jews, that's Sunday. First day of the week is Sunday. When did they gather again? Verse 26. And a week later, the disciples were in the house again. You see, this was the very beginning of Christians. Now, most of them were Jews at the beginning. Changing their day of worship to the Lord's Day. What the Bible calls the Lord's Day of Revelation chapter 1. For the Jew, the Sabbath says it's Saturday. But because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday... This is the day the Christians began to worship regularly on the Lord's Day. The day Jesus rose from the dead. So on this second Sunday, they were gathered together in the house. Verse 26, Thomas was with them. This time Thomas was there. Jesus appeared in the same way with the same greeting. And this time he addresses Thomas. Let's take a look. Verse 26, verse 27. You know, the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now he turns to Thomas. And he he holds out his hands. And he says, Thomas, put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach your hand and put put it in my side. Stop doubting Stop doubting and believe. Now, I want you to know something. Jesus did not rebuke Thomas. He invited him to, to, to do the, take the test that he demanded. He did, Go ahead, Thomas, I'm here. He's showing him the evidence with compassion. He knew Thomas's heart. He knew, and he knew that Thomas loved him. 
And he gave Thomas a command. He said, Thomas, stop doubting and believe in Thomas immediately. He didn't need anything else. On his knees, worshiping him. Verse 28, the strongest uh, verse in the, all of the New Testament declaring the deity of Jesus Christ, my Lord and my God. He worships Jesus as his God. Here you have the, the one who lacked faith in the beginning, who now is giving the greatest statement of faith in the end. He worked through his doubts. He worships Jesus. And he has the confidence of his salvation. You know, the Bible says it this way. If you, Romans 10, 8 and 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. No question about it. You will be saved. Thomas knew his salvation. In verse 29, verse 29, Jesus says, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet believe. Jesus pronounces a blessing upon all who come after Thomas. All who do not have the benefit of seeing the risen Jesus, but have the same faith as Thomas did. We can have the same faith knowing that Jesus is here, that he's with you. You can talk to him and worship him. Believe and receive the promises that Christ came to bring. The first promise is the comfort of his presence. Know his peace. Know his peace and his joy in the midst of hardship by trusting him, trusting in his word. Second, receive the commission of his message. As believers, we are on assignment. Christ has given us an assignment. We're sent to share his message, but we're not sent alone. Don't allow your doubt to draw you away from God, but allow your doubt to draw you closer to God. Staying close to the body of Christ. Then, like Thomas, when you confess the risen Jesus as your Lord, you can have the blessed assurance that you are saved. You're saved. John wrote of the miracles of Jesus and his resurrection appearance. Let's take a look. And he summarizes and he says, this is why I'm writing this whole gospel. And he says it this way, verse 31. These things that I've written, John says now. I wrote that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. These things are written. These things are written. These things are written in the Word of God. They're given us to abide to the Spirit of God. They're God-inspired. They can cause an awakening of your soul. Talking to someone yesterday, I've been going out on Saturday mornings, knocking on doors. Talking to somebody yesterday, talking about how he came to the Lord just by somebody picking up the Bible, reading the Bible. The Holy Spirit convicted him. It awakened him. It put a faith in him. And he received Jesus Christ. You see, the Bible is living and active. It's not a dead book. It's alive. It's alive. God's word is alive. 
The word is living and active. It can be used by the Holy Spirit to bring faith in a resurrected and living Lord. Read it to grow in your faith. Live it to show your faith. And share it to bring others to faith. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that Jesus has risen. Lord, Thomas went through his season of doubt, and sometimes we may do the same. But thank you for your graciousness. You know, help us to always draw near to you and stay together and, you know, encourage one another in our faith. Thank you, Jesus, for the promises you've given us, the comfort of your presence, the commission of your message, and the confidence of your salvation. Help us, Lord, to hang on to you as we hang on to your word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray.